Chapter Twenty Three of the Ocean of Air Meteorology for Beginners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Ocean of Air Meteorology for Beginners by Agnes G. Byrne. Chapter Twenty Three Climate between the equator and the poles every description of climate is to be found from intensest heat to intensest cold from utter dryness to utter wetness from perpetual wind to perpetual calm any variety may be had from greenland's icy mountain to india's coral strand is a leap which the poet may make in imagination the traveller can take no such leap in body but must pass through stage after stage leaping from one extreme to the other it is only in fancy that we see side by side sharply contrasted hot and rainless egypt with mild and rainy ireland africa's burning plains with the vast icelands of greenland the awful heat of the persian gulf with the awful cold of siberia the continuous rains of the tropics with the fitful showers of temperate lands the severe cold and heat of canada with the moderate seasons of england these and countless opposites all upon one globe come under the head of climate climate depends chiefly upon degrees of heat and cold degrees of dryness and moisture degrees of wind and calm in other words it depends upon the state of the air human beings taken generally manage to bear pretty severe extremes of heat and cold some of the very coldest spots inhabited by man are to be found in the dominion of canada and in that awful country of exile siberia a hard-working canadian bishop of the anglican communion now living has in the care of his diocese slept for ten days at a time in open air with a temperature of forty degrees below zero pretty severe for a man well on in middle life he might indeed say you in england don't know what it means we count a winter exceptionally severe if the mercury stands for any length of time at twenty degrees to twenty-five degrees above zero but even the bishop's experiences are outdone by what unhappy russian exiles have to endure at certain siberian stations only his is voluntary endurance theirs compulsory at one of the said stations workojansk the temperature stands habitually through december and january at fifty-six degrees below zero and often sinks much lower it sometimes descends to eighty-one degrees below zero turning to india for a glance at the opposite end of the scale we find that at massawa during may the thermometer has been known to stand as an ordinary event at about ninety nine degrees above zero in the shade occasionally running up to a hundred and thirty degrees as a rough rule further north or south from the equator means increased cold there are successive bands of climate round the earth zones of heat followed by zones of mildness then of moderate cold lastly of extreme cold each zone has its own peculiar plants and more or less its own range of peculiar animals animals have a wider range than plants 
being better able to adapt themselves to varieties of climate but perhaps man alone can live in almost all climates it might be expected that the bands of climate round the earth would lie in regular order so much less of heat matching so many miles further to the north but under the modifying influences of air and sea things are very different stiff lines of latitude drawn on a globe will not at all fit in with lines of climate the latter are indeed most erratic instead of following the straight and even latitude lines they run further north here and further south there take a sudden bend make an unexpected twist do anything in short except to keep such rules as we should expect but for every bend and twist and loop there is a sufficient cause differences of climate depend first and chiefly upon the position of the sun in the sky upon whether the sun's rays come straight down from above or slanting from near the horizon within the tropics the sun is always more or less overhead and in polar regions he is never overhead in the summer of temperate lands he is high up in the winter and also in the mornings and evenings of summer days he is low down now in the latter case a sunbeam has to travel a much longer way through the dense damp lower layers of air a great deal of heat is stolen from it by the air on its road leaving little to reach earth's surface but when a ray darts downward from overhead it travels through a far smaller amount of damp air so it loses much less of its heat however dazzling the sun may have been overhead on a hot summer's day we are able commonly to look full at him without blinking when he gets near the horizon a far thicker veil of floating moisture cuts off the chief part of his light and heat from our eyes another cause besides the position of the sun in the sky greatly affects climate that is the manner in which the sun's rays are received the great sun acts with most impartial regularity pouring down his beams alike on ground on ocean and on atmosphere but there are two things to be considered in thinking about the power of a sun upon a world one is how the sun bestows his beams the other is how the world is affected by those beams if earth's whole surface were everywhere exactly the same then the sun's rays would take effect everywhere exactly alike since it is made of different kinds of substance partly solid and partly liquid with a varying veil of more or less damp air above this cannot be the case dry ground receives heat quickly and parts with it as quickly water receives heat slowly and parts with it as slowly air receives and parts with heat more or less quickly and slowly according to its degree of dryness or dampness we see the same thing curiously enough in human beings what a man takes in with great ease he is apt to forget with ease and what he gains mentally with toil and effort he does not soon lose water slow gaining and long keeping of warmth modifies immensely the climates of earth mighty ocean currents pouring north or south from the tropics carry tropical heat with them to colder parts and make countries which would be frost-bound for months rejoice in continuous mildness but seriously as oceans moving waters must and do affect climate their influence would be far less 
without the help of moving air for after all the waters can do little more in themselves than wash the shores of a country their really effective work is to warm the atmosphere above so that currents of air passing from the ocean over the land carry heat with them two or three extracts from travellers reports may help to bring before the mind what is meant by earth's varieties of climate as a variety number one we find in the life of colonel e warburton the following account of australian desert heat experienced by travellers camping in a small oasis the depot was shaded by large trees and by high cliffs notwithstanding which the party suffered terribly from the intense heat the mean of the thermometer for the months of december january and february was one hundred and one degrees one hundred and four degrees and one hundred and one degrees respectively in the shade under its effects every screw in their boxes had been drawn and the horn handles of their instruments as well as their combs were split into fine laminae the lead dropped out of their pencils owing to the shrinking of the wood the signal rockets a most valuable item in the equipment of the expedition were entirely spoiled their hair as well as the wool of the sheep ceased to grow and their nails became brittle as glass nor was personal inconvenience all the mischief wrought by this fiery atmosphere for it was found to reduce the provisions alarmingly the flour lost more than eight per cent of its original weight the bran in which their store of bacon was packed became perfectly saturated and weighed almost as heavy as the meat they were obliged to bury their wax candles to save them from running into a shapeless mass even a bottle of citric acid became liquid and escaping burnt some linen whilst it was with the utmost difficulty that they could either write or paint so rapidly did the fluid dry in the pans and brushes during the whole of this trying period the leading members of the expedition never ceased in their attempts to find some means of escaping from this oven to east west north and south they rode the heated stirrup irons blistering their feet and the horses reeking with perspiration though never put beyond a walk again somewhat later we find captain stewart returned to the depot and after resting started off afresh discovering cooper's creek beyond which he encountered his old enemies the sand ridges he mentions the effect of the hot northeast gale the blasts of heat were so terrific that he wondered the grass did not fire this was nothing ideal for everything both animate and inanimate gave way before it the horses stood with their backs to the wind and their noses sunk upon the ground without the muscular strength to raise their heads the birds sat upon the boughs mute and terrified and the parched leaves fell like snow whilst the thermometer graduated to a hundred twenty seven degrees burst its tube owing to the expansion of the mercury before fresh supplies reached them the leader had lost the use of his limbs from scurvy his skin became black and the muscles contracted in contrast with the above as a specimen of climate variety number two let us turn to captain scoresby on the arctic regions 
an arctic winter consists he writes of the accumulation of almost everything among atmospheric phenomena that is disagreeable to the feelings the greenland sailors being well defended from external cold by a choice selection of warm clothing generally support the lowest temperature after a few days habitude without much inconvenience when however its attacks are not gradual as when a ship which has attained the edge of the ice under a southerly gale is exposed suddenly to a northerly breeze the change of temperature is so great and rapid that the most hardy cannot conceal their uneasiness under its first impression on one occasion in the year eighteen fourteen there was between the time of my leaving the deck at night and arising the following morning an increase in the cold of about twenty degrees this remarkable change was attended with singular effects the circulation of the blood was accelerated a sense of parched dryness was excited in the nose the lips were contracted in all their dimensions and the articulation of many words was rendered difficult the hands if exposed would have been frozen in a few minutes a piece of metal when applied to the tongue instantly adhered to it and could not be removed without its retaining a portion of the skin iron became brittle the ship became enveloped in ice the bows sides and lower rigging were loaded again with reference to some seamen who wintered in spitzbergen after the commencement of the new year the frost became more intense it raised blisters in their flesh as if it had been burned with fire and if they touched iron at such times it would stick to their fingers like bird lime mr ballantyne's account of winter in hudson's bay is to some extent an echo of the above after that october until the following april the thermometer seldom rises to the freezing point in the depth of winter it falls from thirty to forty forty-five and even fifty degrees below zero of fahrenheit this intense cold however is not so much felt as one might suppose as during its continuance the air is perfectly calm were the slightest breath of wind to arise when the thermometer stands so low no man could show his face to it for a moment the houses are built of wood with double windows and doors they are heated by means of large iron stoves fed with wood yet so intense is the cold that i have seen the stove in places red hot and a basin of water in the room frozen nearly solid in pleasant contrast with these violent extremes a few words from miss gordon cummings first impressions of fiji may serve well for variety number three as regards climate our impressions are highly favorable we see white men who have been here for years going about without any of the ordinary precautions deemed necessary in tropical climates white umbrellas and solar hats are alike neglected and a white pudgery is considered ample protection in a country where sunstroke and fever are alike rare the thermometer at ninety degrees marks an exceptionally hot day and with the exception of occasional tropical showers we have generally fine weather 
hot certainly in the midday hours but almost invariably tempered by a balmy breeze and soft gray clouds december is supposed to usher in midsummer heat and heavy rains not incessant but very much in earnest while they last and for three months we may be liable to hurricanes which however are not an invariable part of the program nor can they possibly be as severe as those of the west indies for all the frail buildings which compose this little capital would inevitably have long since been levelled with the ground the thermometer has often been spoken of in this chapter a thermometer is a measurer of heat and climate is largely a question of more or less heat the little instrument consists of a glass tube ending below in a glass bulb it contains enough mercury to fill the bulb and part of the tube the rest of the tube being partially emptied of air mercury is quickly affected by heat and cold when the surrounding air is very hot the mercury swells in size more rapidly and to a greater extent than the glass so the slender line of it in the tube gently rises when the surrounding air is cold the chilled mercury grows smaller takes less room and sinks lower in the tube end of chapter twenty three recording by john brandon